This is the Partnership for the Arts Talk Show, where we talk art. Welcome to Where We Talk Art, a podcast produced by the Partnership for the Arts Group. I'm Victor Gartner, your host, and today I will be talking with Wilma Angus, an author and artist, a woodworker, and she's 97 years old. We will begin our talk after this very brief message. This is Partnership for the Arts. Come join us as we explore the world of art. You can find us on our Facebook page at Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show. Or you can find us on our new website at pftatalkshow.org. PFTA Talk Show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. Let me try that again. Welcome, Wilma. It is a pleasure to have you on Where We Talk Art. This is really a surprise, so I'm glad to be here. Oh, me too. I'm glad you're here too. And you and your late husband did a lot of fine scroll work and work that's called intarsia. And probably most people have never heard of intarsia. We'll talk about that just a tiny bit because I really want to get more into your interesting life and the years that you had growing up. All right. right. So well, what is in, this intarsia stuff? Intarsia is to make a picture without using any paint or stains. You use different colored woods. And different ways you put in the grain of the wood also shows up in carving that to make your picture. Mm-hmm. And does, it, does the wood have any uh, contours to it, or is it flat oh, yes. like a puzzle? Oh, no, you contour it to make it um, sort of three-dimensional, I guess. Uh, I made one that had uh, water lilies into it, a little water lilies about as big as your palm of your hand. All the petals were made separate, shaped, and then put together. Put together sort were sort of like crossword puzzles. Like a jigsaw uh, puzzle. The puzzles. Yeah, like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, jigsaw puzzle. And you did a lot of fine scroll work too. I've, I've seen some of your pieces that kind of look like they're in a shadow box, and like you have one in the in the next room in your living room where you have two evergreen trees. Yes, they're three-dimensional. They were Elmer special, but I did make a few. Yes, we made hundreds of them, I believe. They were beautiful. I know that the folks who are connected with the uh, the wood shop in this community speak highly of the work that you and your husband did. Well, Elmer just loved it. He was very, very particular and did just fantastic work. Well, mine was maybe a little bit rougher, but. I still had lots of fun with making things. That's the most important thing, having the fun. Yes. Make bowls, candlesticks, the black forest clocks, that are the kind that are made for... Uh, oh, the cuckoo clocks. Cuckoo clocks without the cuckoo. Yes. I made a lot of them, too. And uh, well, those things are fun. It has to be a challenge to keep you keep it going. Started out making simple things and then kept more challenging. All right. Well, you have written a couple of books, and I read your first one a few years ago. Well, I think it was your first one. Yes. And, and this one called Growing Up, I, use, I believe, is your second one. Yes, that takes off where the other one left off. Well, <laughs> Wilma, I have to say that 
You didn't have a very easy life as a child with your family. No. Uh, nowadays, they would have said I was uh, abused, but at that time, it was just our way of life. I didn't feel like I was abused. It was That was the way you lived. If you wasn't good, you got spanked. Oh, maybe more, maybe worse than spanked. <laughs> well, sometimes. Yes. I did never feel abused or anything like that, but I was more or less on the bottom of the pecking order. I noticed that in, in your book that you, it seemed that you and your mom seemed to, to my butt did heads not a lot. Like me at all? No. It didn't seem my that mother, way. My my mother never liked me for some reason, and I was number three in a family of eight. But uh, no, my mother. My mother never liked me at all, and uh, well, that was just the way I grew up. Mm -hmm. Now you and your sister June, how, how many years apart are you, and who, which one is the oldest? I'm older than her by a, a year and a few months. She was born in June, my birthday's in October, and she's, um, she never liked me either. Yes, uh, as I was reading the book, I could tell that you folks, you, the two of you were bickering uh, quite a bit, and your sister seemed to uh, be in alliance with your mom to make your life miserable. They sure tried, but I grew up all right. Yes, you have an indomitable spirit. You're always well, positive. Well, I God. I have to tell you, true that my Sunday school teacher told me that Jesus loved me. So my mother didn't love me. That didn't matter. Jesus loved me, and he was with me all my life. And without Jesus, and I never would have made it. It was him. Wow. I have to give all my credit to, to God. I'm going to read a little section of, of a book for here to you, okay? Or would you like to read it? No, go ahead. Can, are your glasses uh, reading glasses? Yes, but go ahead. You read it. All right, you read the next one then. All right, it says, when I walk in the door, Mama is doing something in the kitchen. She seems real pleased to see me. You're home? Good. I didn't think you'd stay out this long looking for work. I can use you here. Some too, you know. I don't expect you to play around all the time. Change your clothes and scrub up these floors. Dining room and kitchen. You better wipe down the stairs too. I expect Wilbur got them all sticky climbing up and down them today. I just look at Mama. But Mama, I started to say. She just wasn't about to listen to anything I have to say. She doesn't ask me if I have a job or anything. Get, you don't have all day. And she goes back into the kitchen. Mama, I called after her. Where's June? She's the one who's supposed to be helping you. Don't sass me, she says. Scrub these floors. Now get started. Oh, well, I reason. When I went into the bedroom, there was June reading a book. That was the way with life was. So how come she was the princess? When she was born, she was a very beautiful child, but not only that, but she started to talk by the time she was only four months old. And, and, and <laughs> Four and so months old? She, well, one of my daughters also started to talk when she was four months old. So That's it was amazing. So rare. But yes, June was four months old and could talk and she was a oddity for the whole little town. We lived in a very little town, right? Um, a village. I didn't even have the title of a town. It was only a little village. But that made my mother very, very popular, having such an outstanding child that would talk at four months old.
Mm-hmm. And so she became the queen because, well, anybody tell anything? Oh, let June tell. And so it was always that way. No, come on, let June tell what happened today. All right. And eventually you kind of became the invisible child because June was getting all this attention. June got all the attention for all, practically all her life, more or less. She was very, grew up very outgoing and, well, I guess you could say popular. She made herself popular. She could talk to anybody and everything. Mm-hmm. So if anybody was doing things and she just wanted to talk, she just went and talked. And that was her. Okay. Me, I got very, very shy. Mm. Very, very shy. I didn't... Uh, that I, surprises me because you certainly aren't a shy person now. <laughs> oh. Well, she was the big one talking all the time and had all the... And just, I just went back in a corner and was quite shy. All right. I have a section here in, in the book. This is on page 149, jumping ahead a little bit. And this is where Elmer appears in your book. Oh. So I, I marked where it starts, and it goes over partway to the, to the backside of that leaf. So if you wouldn't mind reading that for us. The next morning as I walked to school with Sharon, I noticed a young man coming across the road to the sidewalk, but I don't look at him. I just keep on walking with Sharon. But when I come out the back door after school, he's there and steps up in front of me. I look up. I'm sorry, I I state, but June is only in ninth grade and doesn't come out this door. You have to go over to the other side to catch her. I waited to see you, he answered. Why, I ask, I want you to go to watch the football game Friday night. Just then Jack walks up. Good, he says, I see you met Elmer. Not really, I answer. June wants to watch football and it's nicer if it's four of us, so we ask Elmer to go with us. What? What's football? I know nothing about football. Billy played football, but they didn't know anything about it. If June wants to go, I guess I go, don't I? Good, Elmer says, and takes off running. I look after him. He can't get away from me fast enough, it seems. <laughs> so. uh, I have to explain a little about that also. Okay. I'm, I'm only 15, uh, maybe at, 16. At that time, uh, yes. June is only 14, 13 and 14, and she's really not allowed the date, so she dares not go anyplace unless I go too. And since June wants the thing, I have to do whatever she does or... Life is very miserable at home. <laughs> okay. And, and your school had a football team, obviously. What? Your, your school had a football team. Yes, and it was a very good football. At that time, the time we had moved into the town, my bad dad went back to work at the carpet company. Uh, I was working in a candy store uh, cleaning washing, cleaning counters and stuff, not so much as waiting, but cleaning. And it was in a big town now, a regular town, I suppose maybe 10,000. Mm-hmm. It had a big high school. There was 45 in my class from going out of a little country room where I was the only one in the class. <laughs> I went into a big school. Uh-huh. or what was considered a big school at that time. And June was very, very boy crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, this guy Elmer 
appears and he says he wants to he wants to see you and, and ask you to the football game. Had you ever noticed him before or knew uh, who he was? You have to go back a few pages in the book. Jack got tired of taking two girls, June and I follow along behind. And so he got Elmer to come over <laughs> to meet us. We met us on the street going up and 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 June turns around. June grabs a hold of his arm and then Jack's arm and starts up to get up the street together. And I was falling along behind like normal. And Elmer knowed I was supposed to be his date. And Elmer looks back at me, and June says, "Oh, that's just my dumb old sister. We don't pay her no mind." And went right on dancing down the street, the three of them, with me tagging along behind. The fifth wheel. That's what they would call it. The the fifth wheel. Yes. Did she. She figured that was Elmer was another one of her boyfriends. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I got that sense in the book that, that she felt she had two boyfriends going on at the same time. I got one over on her in a way. Oh. <laughs> 29 or 30 years ago, I married Elmer. That's right. We traveled all over the world. Yes. She was left in, in the dust at that time. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know that you, you and Elmer, uh, did get married, but but it, it was a while before that happened. So a lot of things happened before you and, and Elmer got back together again. Oh, because my. I, I know that this was a very short relationship that you had with, with in Elmer high school. Yeah, in just, high school. Just a year in high right. school. And I also know that that you were anxious to to get a job and to make your own money. Yes, and I gave money to Dad all the time. Well, there was eight of us, and it was hard for my father to make ends meet. I'm sure it was. Yeah. So, yes. Almost all my money went back into the family. I didn't have any, like a bank account or anything or gathered up, and I always stayed at home and paid room and board. Mm. I always helped Daddy. Oh, that was very responsible of you. Yes. Well, that just seemed to be my job. And you... At this point in the book, a page around 215, you were working at a place that had a, a large loom and they were making maybe some kind of carpets or something? Yeah, no, the carpet mill was very, it was a very big and probably famous. I, those big looms made the ex-minister carpet. If anybody knows about carpets, it was, at that time, it was about the most expensive ones you could get. Mm. They were big, uh, I suppose 12 by 12. The loom was 12 feet across. Mm. And it was a big loom, yes. I worked in the carpet mill, what they called the creel girl. I kept the, if a yarn broke, I had to catch it and get up there and get it tied on and and things like that, yes. Was that dangerous at all? Uh, for, no, it wasn't dangerous, really. Uh, I sit and read a book almost every night. <laughs> Because when it was running good, there wasn't much anything I needed to do. Oh, all right. But, but I changed the, the yarn or the, the pile, I guess you would. I even, well, there's, they're just all strings, of course. Right. And how old were you at, at that particular time when you were? I just turned 16. So you were still in school? What? You were still in school? Yes. So you no, no, I would have been uh, 18 when that was, 17, 18, because that was right after I was out of school. Okay. 
So that was, that was your full-time job? Well, no, I had been worked in a silk mill where they spun silk for couple summers and year before. That's, you've had a lot of jobs in, in your lifetime. Well, I started out helping them cleaning houses. Yes, we just did all kinds. I worked at a, at a cannon factory, too, before I was 16. There were a lot of looms in the, the whole Northeast at one time. The textiles were, it was a big, big industry. I know in Massachusetts they had these, these brick factories that were amazingly long. They'd be like a half a mile long and, and they had looms in there, big looms, and they were they were making carpets and, and materials for clothing. Did you make wool carpets also? But as I suppose they might have been wool. They were the most expensive you could buy in that day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I don't know much about carpets, but I imagine that it was a noisy place to work. Yes. And the looms made a bang, bang. Yes, I bet they did. And as, as you were growing up during that time, there were a lot of uh, people, young men, that were in the service. The war started in December the 7th, 41. I was a senior. You, you mentioned sailors, you talk about soldiers, and oh, sometimes yes. you would double date or, or you would meet with as a group. You'd go to places. And um, one, one time, your, your sister wasn't allowed to go out. Something, June did something to get your mother oh, angry. Wasn't that and so she said that she was going to have to tell her boyfriend she couldn't go on the date, and she was very upset. Well, the war had started, and our, our town had a little college. Started out at Teachers College and then just called Bloomsburg's College. And the government had taken it over and sent these sailors there for special classes. All right. They'd be there maybe six weeks or two months for special classes, and they were all cadets. Mm -hmm. censor, and so I suppose they came out as officers when they was done. Anyway, yes, the town was full of these cadets. Uh, June, of course, was flirty, so it ended up my mother did a lot of laundry for them. That was a hard thing. They couldn't get their clothes laundered. Oh. So my mother did it. So we met a lot of them. And that was one of the soldiers that was there. And June had dates with them. And yes, mother was really angry. And can you, can you picture when she said, I had to take June's place. Well, how could I take June's place? I'm very shy. I don't talk. I always stand back in the corner. As a child told they was ugly and stuff, I walked all slumped over like I just tried to pull myself into mm. just a little lump. Mm. So I was very ground-shouldered. I was very pigeon-toed and or less knock-kneed. My mother would say, put your shoulders back, but that only made my neck stick out, made me look worse. Maybe I looked all right in the face, but my body looked, well, I was just a bent-over, ugly little girl. Hmm. And my mother's telling this, this here soldier that's going to college to be a, an officer. June was going to go out with him to the movies, 
and mother said I had to take June's place. Right. And she did push me right out the door, and he was too <laughs> polite to say no. He was so polite. But the big thing about that was he treated me like a person, like a date, like he would want to treat a date. And then on the way home, as we walked across the hill, he told me how I should stand up straight. Yes. And you said, you, you said, I can't stand up straight. No, I could, of all the things I tried all my life, to try to get, you know. But then he gave you some instruction, how to, be, how to stand straight. <laughs> Did you do it? Oh, yes. Found out, yeah. Pull your chin in, hold your hand up like you're reaching toward the stores. That's right, pull yourself up straight. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I could walk straight. Wow. God sent that, worked that out. I would have never made a date with him. I would have never, I never made a date with anybody because I was too bashful. So God made it so, and I found out how much fun it is to just be able to talk about your things and go and sit with the gang and have a little ice cream, not worry about how you looked. That's wonderful. I'm glad you, you had that date and that he was such a nice young man. That and was God's doing. He just brought him into my life for just when I needed him. Yes. All right, Wilma, we're going to take a short break. Let's come back in just a minute. I'm Lori Potts with Lori Potts Art, and I listen to Where We Talk Art. Welcome back. This is Victor Gartner, your host to Where We Talk Art, and we are continuing <coughs> to talk with Wilma Angus. Well, Wilma, I have to ask you, you married Elmer Angus. There were other relationships earlier in your life when, when like you say, people asked you to marry them, but you, you just didn't have reciprocal feelings. You didn't feel like that was the right person for me. Oh, no. Most of them I didn't know very much. Most right. of them were... were uh, and I have been asked to get be married so many times that I couldn't tell you the number. It must be up into the 20s. But it was a war time. Yes. I did not date. Oh, I went to dances, and I was afraid to walk home alone. So I would go to the dance, and then somebody at the dance would take me home. Mm -hmm. And then I'd give him a... Good night kiss. Yes. That's where I got so many kisses. Because we went to, to dancing three times a week or more. So I, all these different men mm -hmm. walked me home. We talked. Oh, they loved to talk about their homes and their girls they left behind. And then we always had a good night kiss. So I met kissing an awful lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and, but that's just the way it was. I mean, I wasn't out to set no record or anything. Mm -hmm. It was just, I thanked them for bringing me home. Sure. Yes. And, and they would be pulling out maybe in the next couple of weeks. So I never made a date for them when then they come back because most of the time they'd either just come or was leaving because right. it was that 
the port down there where the ships got loaded and went into the service and also the big airport. Mm -hmm. So there was a turnover all the time. Right. So they were just very good friends to a little girl who was out of her league, you know. Right. No, I never really dated. They were going to be shipped out to the front lines, and they would they would like to have been married a lot of times before they shipped out. Mm-hmm. They know I was there waiting for them to come back, and right. they thought being married was the was the best way. But I never did marry any of them. Right. I understood that that was what it, it was more or less a fear. Mm. But I wrote to hundreds of them too. I wrote to so many. And then sometimes they just popped up and say, "Here I am." <laughs> after when well, they returned. After the war, there was five that came back to the Pennsylvania to marry me. Oh my goodness. And there was five of them that came back there, just purpose to marry me. Mm -hmm. Well, eventually you did get married. Yes, I did get married to a farmer next you right up the road. You from know. in your hometown? Yes. Oh. Well, but he was just a little, little town from the town where I was. Well, how'd that work out? That did work out too good. That's mm. why I came to Florida. Oh, so that's why you came to Florida. Yes. I ran away and came to Florida, or I should say I got away, came to Florida, got some help, ran away and got a divorce. I was one of those you hear the stories of being hid for weeks until mm. it would be safe to come back out again. My goodness. That must have been very scary. I don't remember of it being very scary. But God was with me. That made a big difference. God was always there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wilma, I have to ask you, you're a person with an extraordinary history, uh, interesting life, uh, becomes an author, an artist, a woodworker, and a pilot, even. <laughs> like, I, I, so... Can we talk about that just for a moment? How in the world you became a pilot? That was right after the war and I came back home. I spent the war years for 43, 44. I went to Alabama and I worked with the government and they put me in with a warehouse, keeping accounts the warehouse. After the war and I went back home, I was looking for a job. I did not want to go back to the carpet mill. The little airport was just getting started and they was having place instructors and with pilots and mechanics for the repairing of, of the airplanes too. They was advertising for somebody to set up the warehouse and inventory. So I went down and got that job and I set up the how to keep track and all that. And while I was there, they had already started with some students and they needed someone to 
keep their records, keep their log books and time and about the planes as well as the instructors and all the students. So I took over that job. I really had the warehouse done. The instructors, every so often they had to go through their routine without a student. Cubs, Piper Cubs. The Piper Cubs. Piper Cubs. They had to have someone sit in the front seat, so that became my job too. So I did was spending a lot of time in the air. And while I was in the air, they was going through their routine. I was learning it too. So I got my pilots, and I could fly. You got your pilot's license? Yes, I had. And you could fly solo? And I, I could fly solo, yes, I fly solo. Did you, did you fly much? No, the airport was growing. There was a whole lot more being done, and they needed a secretary. Now, I was doing secretary work, and I knew a little of it, but I was not what you would call a secretary. I, my hands were too slow. I was not a good typist. They had to get a secretary, a real secretary, and I knew that a real secretary could do both. All that I was doing is, mm -hmm. and uh, so, well, it... I was just not used in there now. I wasn't doing what needed to be done. And, right. And I knew that. And so after a while, when they did get one secretary hired, I just left. Okay. I wasn't exactly fired, but I was not needed. So anyway, then I went up to the telephone and became a telephone operator. Interesting. Now, you told me once before that... Because you were a telephone operator, the company wanted to be able to get you at home if they needed you. Yes. So a, that was the first time I had a telephone. Mm -hmm. Yes, the very first time I had a telephone. I had used some before, but that was really the first time I had one on my own. Is is that the type you had to to crank before you could you know you, you no it was the the little black ones that sit down with the okay with the rotary dial on it yes. But I didn't do any more flying too much. It was, it was too too expensive. It uh, certainly is. Well, I gave money to my dad and helped him and with the kids and my little brothers and sister was in school. I gave them a little allowance so they could go to the candy store and I bought them most of their clothes. I just didn't have the money to fool around flying anymore. Sure. That was a luxury item. Yeah, it was a luxury, something I could get along without. Right. I can remember when I got the little boys, the regular little uh, boy pants with the slot in the front. Little Calvin kept running upstairs and to the bathroom down. They couldn't hardly get him off to school that day. He, he just <laughs> having so much fun that he had a regular little boy pants. <laughs> And they were in school at that time. Before right. before that, they were made little bloomers like the girls wore. Oh, my. <laughs> and I said to my mother that, no, they had to have them because they couldn't be made fun of and teased for wearing little girl pants. So I, she says, well, if you want them to have them, then you get them for them. So I got it for them. Well, good for you. That was very nice of you to do that. I'm, I'm sure they really appreciated it. Not wearing okay. bloomers anymore. But you can see a little boy in third grade already, and 
not even having a little boy pay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I couldn't stand that, so I made sure they got so they didn't be made so much fun of. Well, Wilma, I have to ask you, you married Angus, but in the book, it 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 doesn't get to that point where where you you somehow reconnect after years, fall madly in love, and get married. So you have to fill us in what happened. Uh, I graduated in 1942, and so it was a high school reunion. All right. About 50 years later, I had already uh, come to Florida, and uh, I had gone home. I bought a special dress. And I felt so good. And at the high school reunion, Elmer had written a letter saying that his wife was very sick with cancer and that he couldn't come up this year. And since I was down here, well, my mother can't really explain. She said, well, Elmer's right down there close to where you are. I don't know, but she knew where he was. And so I went to his brother and, and, and got his his uh, telephone number, and I, I was up here in Venice, and he was here. This, so I thought, since I'm all alone and she's so sick, so anyway, I called him and told him that I, if he needed help, that I could come down and help. So then, uh, she, she died then, in, and then he came up to see me in February, mm -hmm. and that's when we got back together. All right, so when you and and Elmer started to see each other, did you did you see um, fireworks? Not exactly. It was like I was going home. I was got. He made me feel safe. Mm -hmm. Before that, I had a time relation. There was a time when a man couldn't get anywhere near me. When I first came to Florida and had my own little house, I went as through a spell of that. Okay. I did when I, so it took Elmer, you a long time to trust a man. When Elmer came, for some reason or other, he was like I was going home. Mm -hmm. I felt south of him. He was the first man then, after my divorce, that I could be normal with, I guess you could say. Right. And he was by alone, and he didn't want to live alone, and I was by alone, so we said to get together. We might as well be together then. Well, I was afraid of men, and he made me feel safe, and that suited me pretty good. But I had a whole lot of young granddaughters, and I would just move in with Elmer and not get married. That would not be a good uh, example for granddaughters. All right. So we got married. I was Elmer's fourth wife. He had lost um, two with cancer, his first wife, and then there was another woman in there that uh, for some reason he divorced her within a year. And then, so I don't think it was, it wasn't a fireworks. It was a calm, loving, and, and I had got a very deep love for Elmer then. It developed very quickly into a really a deep love. Yes, and it sounded from stories I've heard in the past from you that that he really 
encouraged you to uh, to broaden your horizons and oh, to do the things yes. you wanted to do. Yes, there was all these things. We came in the park here, and of course the first thing we did was join the Woodworkers Club. I was the only, <coughs> that time then I became the only woman in the Woodworkers Club, but then I soon was in the view of the secretary and, and um, doing all kinds of things. We got married in October, and that winter I saw what things was going and they gave the papers and, oh look, there's an art saying, oh, I like to draw. He, he says, well, if you like to draw, why don't you go get in it? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. He says, you don't have anything to do in the daytime? Go to the art class. So we got to join the art class. Then I joined the writing group. Then I joined the, the uh, knitting and crocheting, the, the whole art group like that. I could do any of that. So I signed up for a helper with any of those women that needed any extra help in any of those classes. And then I began to teach the uh, tatting. I was the only one in the park that could tat. So I taught the tatting class for a long time. And I don't know. Elmer and I, we just traveled all the time and in the summer and spring and, and played in the park here all the <laughs> you, you did tell me that you traveled a lot. What was one of your favorite places you traveled to? I like New Zealand extremely. Well, uh, that's quite a distance. Big trip. Uh, we, we have been all through the North Sea. Russia, Poland, Norway, Finland, Denmark, all through there. We was all through Europe. We went, flew into Austria and then took a boat ride up the Danube and all the way through the center and into, into Holland, mm -hmm. all the way through the center. And we have been to France and, and all through Australia all through Central America and South America. We've been through all of that. In fact, Elmer's oldest son was a missionary in Brazil. All right. And he had never been down there. So we went there. That was one of the first places we went. And he's been in South America and you've never been there. And then we took a lot of uh, bus trips in the, to the States and through Canada both ends of Canada, and and we've been all through the Caribbean and all the islands. And it's great did, that you had that opportunity. He, he had never traveled any place, and then I said, well, go down and see your sons, and then Doris wanted us to go to Australia. So yeah, I've been to Hawaii three times, Alaska three or four times. Wow, that's impressive, all the places you've been. Yes, but we just traveled all the time. Mm-hmm. Just went and traveled. You are a woman of the world. We had already booked and and paid for our, for Africa when we had our troubles. I had to have my knee operated on. So I had my knee in '02. He had his bypass heart operation in '03, and then we had the hurricane in '04. Oh yes, big Charlie. And when he got with that heart. They only gave him six months to live. I kept him alive for 10 years. Wow. 10 years I took care of him. 
That's amazing. But that's love for you. It is. Yes. He, he loved me, and, and we just had... We just enjoyed each other, whether he was sick or not. Oh, I can tell how much you loved him. Just the way you talk about him and the expression on your face. Well, yes, he, he, he made... I said I'd had 30 years of hell, now I was going to have 30 years of heaven. <laughs> Went in the store, pick up two blouses, and I'd tell him, which one do you like? I don't know which one I want. He says, well, we take both of them. Mm -hmm. It was very generous. I had to be careful. I could have went through his money so fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I could have had asked for new cars and all kinds of stuff. But we just had so much fun with our traveling and just being together. Mm. We've all over all the states. There hasn't been a state we haven't been in. And uh, some of them two or three times. For our first wedding anniversary. You have balloons for wedding anniversary? We went to New Mexico to the Hot Air Balloon Festival. Ah, that would have <laughs> been had, very nice to do. Yes, I would. I, I've seen many pictures. Yeah. We had balloons for our wedding anniversary. Real hot air balloons, yes. Wilma, what's what's the secret to longevity? Your faith in God, I suppose. It all gets back to that, doesn't it? To me, it all goes back to that, yes. Well, I would like you to read one last thing to wrap up our show. Oh, I talk too much about myself. No, no, you haven't. But this dedication here. Oh, to Elmer, who came back into my life in our senior years, to encourage me to paint, to write, and make beautiful things out of wood, and to do things with my hands, to Elmer, who tell me what it was to be loved and to love in return, who made my life so beautiful. And Elmer did. He was the most outgoing, Those are nice words. Yes. That was a very nice dedication. Yes, I... <laughs> Wilma, we have run out of time. And I want to say that this was a lovely morning to be talking with you. I'm so glad you agreed to be a guest on Where We Talk Art. And uh, it's a blessing to know you. Well, thank you. All right. And I probably talked too much. <laughs> oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. So my, my friends who are listening, Thank you very much for, for joining us, and um, I hope you enjoyed this interview. I certainly did. Our guest again was Wilma Angus, author of a couple of books, and we were talking a lot today about her book, Growing Up. So until we meet again, everyone, be well. Thanks for listening to the Partnership for the Arts talk show. 